Welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. Uh, joining myself this week's joke call is, as ever, Mr. Adam Nathan. We're not going to waste any time because that intro took as long as the Seahawks offence from the field for on Sunday, weren't they, Adam? Do you think we should start saying joining us if we have a guest? Like, I feel like I join you. Feels a bit like your show. Don't know, a bit of a, you're trying to kind of get one up on me? I don't know. Hard no, to say. No, it's, it's a good point. I think I heard that on a uh, RIP uh, in the Most Peace Sports podcast last week, talking about how like... In fairness, you do do all of the work. I just pitch <laughs> out with a few shit opinions and uh, yeah. pretend to talk about this. So no, I'm fine yeah. with it. I'm fine with yeah. it. So... For uh, 12 brief minutes on Friday night, uh, the sport in my spot and world was fine. And since then, and yours, obviously, again on Sunday, has gone to absolute uh, dog doo doo. Um, sports are just the greatest thing, aren't they? Yeah, I'm not sure if I said this last week, but I need to change my rankings. I mean, since contracting COVID last <laughs> Sunday, um, what with two Spurs games, two Seahawk games, and Russell Wilson and Sierra's TikTok. Uh, COVID's now relegated to like the sixth worst thing that's happened to me in the last 10 days, which is quite amazing, really, considering it's uh, a virus and a global pandemic. So, um, yeah, it just sort of sums up the way the sporting world really does, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, a lot of things. And obviously then Europe also got the tonking of almost predictable tonkings over in uh, the Cheesehead State in uh, Wisconsin as well. So it's just- I did say on Friday this is going to be 28 nil. And actually, I wasn't that far off, really, in hindsight. Yeah, if it wasn't for Spain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Seahawks, though, they lost uh, to Minnesota. Again, like last week with the 12 straight home openers, they kept talking about how Russell Wilson and I think Pete Carroll uh, was 7-0 against these Vikings in the, in the since 2012. And um, again, like the week before, it started off well and then everything just kind of stopped. And well, the offense stopped because the defense can get off the field. Really bizarre how like one holding penalty on Ugo Amadi seemed to change the entire game. Um, there are a couple of Seahawks journalists that were in the stadium that said that the atmosphere did properly change a lot uh, on that call with that drive was extended. Mm. So maybe there's something in that, but. I guess, conversely, you could say how fragile are this team that a holding penalty against us can flip the game. But it's bizarre, really, isn't it? I mean, you know that picture of the... Uh, it's on social media quite regularly where there's like they draw a picture of a horse, which is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. From like the, and then you get to the head and then it's absolute jank. It's almost like uh, Shane Waldron's offensive calls are, are a bit like that. But the head is sort of when you get to about eight minutes into the second quarter and the whole thing just goes to shit. Weird, isn't it? Yeah, but also at the same time, as I said a few minutes ago, the, the defence just could not get off the field. I mean, the Seahawks ended with uh, just short of 400 yards of offence. So things were working. Tyler Lockett injury kind of seemed to derail that kind of drive, but DK was involved. DK just annihilated um, Patrick Peterson and Harrison Smith on one snap. Chris Carson had a, a decent length touchdown, pretty, pretty comfortable, comfortably find the end zone as well. Yeah, and it just the second half was like, I think I text you on Monday. I think it's it's been a bit of a the sentiment around the game on Sunday, but it kind of felt like uh, everyone woke up to the fact that oh yeah, this this is over kind of thing. I mean it's it's a bit melodramatic three weeks in obviously, but it's just it's, it's something is 
deeply rooted that's uh, <clears throat> a bit wrong at the minute, isn't it? I thought this was the worst beat that the Seahawks have taken in the Russell Wilson era for well, main reason is the two other games that would come to mind were that absolute pummeling that the Rams gave us. Mm. Um, but that was quite a weird game. I don't know if you remember, like Pharaoh Cooper had some ridiculous special teams plays. There were turnovers and they got out to a lead that was almost unassailable. And then the other one was Buffalo last year, which was obviously a complete beatdown. But again, like Wilson threw, what, four picks mm. in that game? So no. there, were, there, were, there were plays in those games that you could say, well, that was the reason that happened. Sunday was like a clean game. Yeah, Russell well, Wilson hasn't made a mistake yet. No, Wilson hasn't made a mistake. We just played like a game of football that was almost like, imagine there are no turnovers. And we got battered. So yeah. we, we got... We got our ass is handed to us in a clean game. Yeah. And that for me is a worry because sometimes you lose, you're like, look, well, you can point the finger at the fact that we have three turnovers. You know, we lose turnover battle. We gave up short fields too often. And as a result, we never had a chance. This was just long scoring drive after long scoring drive against the defense. And that's kind of the worst combination you can have a long drive that scores points. You'd rather them scored in 90 seconds, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, that's, I wouldn't mind that because you could probably trust Russell Wilson to return the favor kind of thing as he did against Tennessee the week before, but against Tennessee the week before it was Derek Henry and 110 yards of penalties, which you kind of go, okay, they'll clean one that, one of them up and we won't face Derek Henry again. But then it was just Kirk Cousins was pretty much not facing any resistance really for 75, 80% of that game on Sunday. And pretty much all of the second half, he just stepped back, play action fake and turn around and threw to Jefferson or Thielen. We had like 16 yards of cushion from the Seahawks uh, cornerbacks. It was, and, uh, yeah. like And Madison got 120 yards. So it wasn't even like, you know, last week we got battered by a not, you're not going to say you know, one, one man offense because Henry led the way and opened up for Tannehill. And I'm sure that'll trigger some people, but he objectively did, I would say, in that game. Whereas on Sunday, it was like, do you want to run it past us? Sure. Do you want to pass it against us? Yeah, why not? Yeah. They kind of got to do whatever they wanted. And that, that was the most alarming thing for me. Yeah, yeah, it was it was just it was just flat. There was no like it wasn't even a case of being like angry or frustrated. It was just kind of just just nothing kind of thing. It's again, I just turned the game off and went to bed kind of thing. It's just and then the post mortem was predictable as well. Maybe that's why I just kind of just turned everything off because it's just yeah, it's just the Seahawks are one and two, and the next two games are probably the worst two offenses offenses anyone could face but particularly in the NFC, and we've got on on in five days. Yeah, I mean, particularly the Rams at this stage who appear to be living up to preseason high. But I, I've not really seen San Francisco play much for some reason. I no. don't know why. But they seem to hang pretty well with, with Green Bay and certainly come back into it. And the worry with them is that with a running game that they're always going to have under Shanahan, plus Ayuk, Samuel and Kittle, you mm. just wonder if there's going to be just too many bodies for us to cover again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean... Like the, math, the maths just seem like they're going to be stacked against us. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, definitely, because... I mean, I, I, I didn't watch much... I've only seen the highlights and the, obviously the Rodgers thing at the end of the Sunday night game, but they they just they blew away uh, Detroit and kind of held on in week one. Was it week one or week two? Yeah, week one. But, yeah, I, I didn't really see much of the week two game, but they're winning games and they seem to be doing it without 
everything firing as well because I mean Ayuk, I, I think was inactive for the first week and Debo went off. They're on to like their fourth running back already. So yeah, but um back on Sunday though, um it, it kind of hit in all the way you say it hit in the ways which are most worrying, but hit in the ways where we spent an off season calling for two names in particularly for the Seahawks to go after and bring in in Richard Sherman and KJ Wright and cornerback and screen games um, killed us on Sunday, which kind of, again, enforced that point of you maybe should have, well, definitely kept KJ, but maybe should have been a bit more proactive until Richard Sherman was on his um, Delta flight to uh, Florida. I think the screen game is one of those that you don't appreciate or look out for it until teams start doing it against you. And you think, wow, I haven't seen that sort of play against Seattle for a while. And you think, you, know, you do the, you know, you go back in your head and you think, oh yeah, that's because 50 snuffed it out every time. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think, I, I'm not sure it was the commentators that were saying it, but someone was saying in the broadcast, which is just a case of they could just run a screen almost every play and there's just yards to be had here. Mm. Um, and the cornerback thing, Look, when Pete Carroll went for a piss this morning, he forgot more about football than I will ever know. (laughs) Probably twice as much. And yet we sat here in March, April, May, June, July, saying this cornerback room is is nowhere near strong enough. Like to a neglected point of view, we would say. And so it's proving. Yeah. Not by the scheme. No. Well, we didn't know what it was going to be. Because we didn't really, obviously, Trey Flowers is a powder keg. He's either on the top of the world or one bad player, and that's him done, buried for the season, <clears throat> like mentally, it seems. Or, and the rest of them, we didn't really know. DJ Reed has switched positions, which seems to be a pretty bad idea. Or it's not going right, going, going um, as hoped. And Trey Brown is still inactive, and I think he's missing the game this week as well. So we still don't really know. But what we could have projected is kind of, as you say, coming to fruition. They also paid someone $5 million that you didn't even see the field. <laughs> it's just crazy. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a very... Um, everything just kind of feels stuck in their ways kind of thing. I mean, there's all these ways of winning and stuff, and obviously the rookie quarterback thing was the way to win the Super Bowl now is to get a rookie quarterback in the middle and build around him. But when you watch the rookie quarterbacks through three weeks, you're like, well, maybe... Maybe yeah, they, need, they need to be good. That's yeah. a slight caveat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, or on better teams than these three out anyway. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it's, I, I think if we talk in nine days, it's going to be a, uh, it's kind of, it's going to be fascinating to watch how people deal with how this season feels like it might turn in the next mm-hmm. 10 days, Adam. Yeah, I mean, I was on with Rob Staten on his show at the end of the game and he's, you know, negative as we are at the best of times but they have uh you know listeners for and, and viewers but there are a lot of people tuning in and there were a lot of comments that were coming in at the side when people were you know whilst the show was going on and it does seem like people are starting to think hmm might might have an issue here and yeah. i don't feel like that's been the general i think like, there's always been doom you know doom and gloom because that's just the way sport is but it does feel this week like the general consensus is moving towards the negative now, doesn't it? Yeah, it kind of, yeah, it, it's like a resignation vibe to everything. There's not, 
it might be on social media because of what's happening across the street at T-Mobile Park with the Mariners, but I haven't seen one argument, one weird claim um, from any, all the usual suspects in doing that, but it just kind of just seems like a, yeah, just a resignation because I don't see them winning on Sunday. I, I, it could be an absolute pasting against the Rams next week because they are just doing whatever they want to whoever they play. And it's almost like that QB improvement is the only thing that really uh, mattered for them. But, um, but yeah, it's, and after that, it could be anything really because obviously on Pittsburgh and New Orleans and everything else, but there's a very good chance to see what's going to be one on four in a division where you're going to see 10, 11 be the number. I just don't see a one and four, nine, 10 wins coming over the rest of the season. Well, if they're one and four, they're unlikely to go nine and two, are they? Yeah, exactly. And that's just going to be fascinating to watch. And that's just to get to 10 wins. Yeah. I mean, we've said for a few years, it's sorry. This team will uh, always yeah. be. This team will always be around or relevant because of the quarterback. But like we saw on Sunday, the quarterback can only do things if he's on the field, and if the defense is giving up 13, 14, 15 play drives every opportunity opposing teams get, and he can't do much sitting next to Shane. You have, have three drives in the second half. It's, it's, it's just not enough. No, no. It's like you can't. You can't even. You know, I mean, like, like. The Vikings, what's it, nine points in the second half? No. Yeah, must. Uh, 12? Yeah. It was, it, it was 17 7, wasn't it? We lost 30 17. Yeah. So, yeah, but yeah, but they, I think it was 21 17 at half time, right? I don't know. Um, but yeah, <laughs> it's just, yeah. Uh, offensively, though, Russell Wilson to the right, Chris Carson, you kind of want to see that. DK, we. I mean, the first half, we were talking about the, the DK Awards when we listened to his podcast last week because everything we wanted to see, we kind of saw in that first half. I know. The, the first 20, 25 minutes were just absolutely brilliant. Um, it's, I mean, you saw the Colts game. Yeah, but that is in a different context to each yeah. they look. But then, what if you can try and think back, the Falcons game you know, that started off last year also sort of like opened up a playbook that we never got to see for the rest of the year. The Colts game felt like it was you know, good. And that first two or three drives on Sunday is like, wow, this is, yeah. this is decent. I mean, they obviously made a point of getting a couple of throws over the middle for Wilson early. I think the first play was a 14, 15 yard pickup to DK over the middle, which was a bit of a, you know, fingers to the lips of, of some of the naysayers, but mm-hmm. not a lot really happened after those, you know, they scored the two touchdowns. Uh, Jason Myers missed a field goal, not ideal, but um just need to, I can't remember a single offensive play that we had in, in the second half. No, there was the third down link to Penny Hart where he kind of just gunned it at him um, over the middle, but he kind of didn't need as much force, but that's been a bit nitpicky. But yeah, nothing. I just remember just the defence being on the field constantly. Yeah. Um, and, and all yeah. of it, like, I think I looked at the clock and I thought, it's four minutes to go. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, yeah. But saying that, um, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are quite good. Yeah, you're probably unlikely to have to go up in back-to-back weeks against two teams that have two number one receivers. Yeah. Um, I mean, Jefferson absolutely worked DJ Reed on that sort of in-route. They cut outside. That was amazing. Um, I don't really know what you're supposed to do to stop that, but... You said to me, 
after that happened, like you can see why Pete Carroll doesn't like small cornerbacks. And then uh-huh. they got another one. Yeah. You know, there's another one waiting in the wings as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's just, I mean, was there anyone we could pick out for praise from Sunday? I mean, it was a great block from Dwayne Brown to seal off uh, Carson's run. That was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Not really. <laughs> no. I mean, I guess I'm, I'm so thrilled that Tyler Lockett got up from that injury because <laughs> the season really would have been down down the drain yeah, if but, that had been bad. Yeah, and at the same time, though, it's going to be interesting to see how he looks. True, because he's played hurt. He has had that last couple of years where he's played hurt and it's just... Not been great. They laid everything. Um, yeah, I think well, there's a lot of conversation, obviously, about Jamal Adams, the impact he made. He ran past Alex Mattison on the sideline in a very strange decision play um doesn't look great but it's there's a lot of talk obviously about him and Dwayne Brown and Quandre missing all of training camp with for various financial reasons but Dwayne Brown looks like a guy who's knows what he's doing because he left tackle is probably left tackle in every team isn't it but yeah. safety and well even Quandre doesn't look I think he's, I was, pace. I was going to say he's probably looks like one of our best players so far. This yeah, season. but then Jamal kind of just looks like someone who missed three weeks of a team he's only what eighteen months into being a part of. Yeah, I mean he's getting praise, which he's getting praise from far more intelligent people than me. So I'm going to defer to them and say that obviously they're seeing stuff from a schematic and that we're not. But I don't are know. You? Like, are you? Do you pay eighty million dollars a year for someone to seal off like? long routes in the seam. I, I, I just don't know. Like, is, is that what the value is now? Um, I, I don't know. So yeah, it, it's, it's hard for me to say. Yeah. It's the thing I think, the thing I keep going back to with him is that the, he's not getting after the pass of the quarterbacks as much as he was last year because they don't trust the guys outside of him and behind him as much to cover. But even, yeah. even with him not doing that, they're still completing passes. I mean, he isn't the reason Thielen and Jefferson went off on, uh, Sunday, he's just he's probably just the easiest target for all that because look, the safeties can't do anything if Trey Flowers is giving up 15 yards cushion to a top five, top 10 uh, route runner in the league. Play after play after play. Yeah, I mean, Greg Bell asked Pete Carroll the question on Monday like, if it's third and four, why are your cornerbacks nine yards off? Mm. Um, and obviously, Pete Carroll had an answer. But it does seem to kind of, in, in layman's terms, think, well, that doesn't really make much sense, does it? Yeah, because like, it would make sense to do that if they were aggressive, but they're not. They're staying nine yards off. Like, if they yeah. just hammered down on it after four, but they're not. They're just staying, especially Trey, which is just... I mean, look, Kirk Cousins is a, is a decent deep ball passer. You can understand it. Yeah. Against Jimmy Garoppolo, get in their faces and make him beat you over the top. Yeah. You have but, to. But Cousins didn't do that on Sunday. No, but he could feasibly. I yeah. could sort of see the idea of yeah, why yeah, they yeah. wouldn't want him to do that. Yeah. But Jimmy Garoppolo, you have to go for it. Go yeah. for him. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, see, it's a one and two. Uh, the Niners lost, which kind of softened the blow a bit. The Cardinals won a wild one down in Jacksonville, and the Rams mm. won again against Brady and the Bucks. And then we move on to San Francisco down in Santa Clara on Sunday. And like I said at the start, Shanahan and this defense is a it's a dirty pint, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we didn't get to see the best of San Francisco either time last year, uh, and obviously handled them pretty well. Um, but I think with that defensive front that's 
you know, healthy this time, that's going to be a whole different proposition. Uh, the first real test for our offensive line, I would say, probably this. I mean, the Colts are decent, are decent. But, but you're probably not with the names that, that we're going to come up against mm. uh, en masse anyway. And then, I mean, Shanahan's been decent against Seattle, never so devastating, but probably got the most weapons he's ever had going into a game against us this week. So, yeah, I mean, God knows. It, it, it could be anything, really, couldn't it? Yeah, and also they've got uh, Trey Lance, who seems to have a package set for him. Uh, it seems to be a lot of red zone stuff, but there's a package there for him, which is obviously going to be another thing for this defence to um, cope with. I guess, yeah, this could be... Like, it wouldn't surprise me if the Seahawks win. I think they're likely to win this one than they are to beat the Rams, to be honest. Agreed. Um, but yeah, this could be a, a smashing... 10 to raise our level in games like that. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, the Niners held on against the Lions and they couldn't hold out for 40 seconds against Aaron Rodgers. Um, and they were... Who did they, who they pass if they beat? Philadelphia? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Which is, yeah, it's not much of a team, really. And they so. didn't really burn that down, that place down either, did they, really? It's only like 23... Yeah, they were Philly, like Philly were Philly were in it, I think. Yeah, so they're not setting the world alight, but yeah, it's, it's it. I just I don't have any positive vibes really ahead of um, Sunday. But Russell Wilson has never lost three games in a uh, in a row in his entire I think collegiate and NFL career, so he's going to want to put it right. But again, like we said, it's not really on him to do anything different, is it really? I feel like he's been quite understated this year. I don't know. Yeah, but like, he hasn't made a mistake. He's had his usual plays where like, like the deep balls, the end zone, um, like center field catch against the Colts with Tyler Lockett. And then a few, but he, he hasn't made the mistake. He hasn't, he, he just, yeah, he's just been. But even in like interviews or whatever, you don't, I don't feel like I've heard from him this year. No, I mean... Whereas normally there's a lot more, I don't know, is there a lot more chat from Wilson or am I just kind of... I'm, yeah, I know. I, I literally think it's because one reason is because the defence has been so, so bad. Yeah, I'm trying to say it on ESPN yesterday, where it's just like, this defence is stonkingly bad. So it doesn't really matter whatever. I mean, DK could have a another bagel and if the, if the defence gives up 42... That's all the conversation is going to be about. It's not going to be about Russ not getting the ball to DK. It's going to be about um, yeah. these excuses for cornerbacks. But yeah. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, defensively, George Kittle is going to be a problem. The, whoever is running back is going to be a problem. Everyone's going to be a problem. But Russell Wilson going against this defense, that D line with Bosa and uh, Armstead, Fred Warner, obviously. The cornerbacks seem to be a group emerging Sherman name dropped all of them in his uh, <coughs> Tampa announcement uh, earlier in the week but but that's probably the place we can get after this team is the matchups with Lockett and DK against the cornerbacks which we from this side of the from this side of the um, the aisle we kind of don't really know too much about yeah and then it, I guess it's how do you generate the plays against that front that you can attack the cornerbacks so yeah. Um, 
certainly Shane Waldron's biggest test, I would say, on Sunday. Um, I don't know. I, I guess I've not seen so much that I'm I, I'm truly convinced that he's really the offensive coordinator, and it's not just Pete Carroll with a guy with a couple of nice gadget plays that may, yeah he can, he can do for him to make it seem like it's a whole new modern offense. But I, I've not seen much that, to suggest that it's so vastly different. Um, so yeah, Sunday's going to be the test really because mm. it, it's put up, it's put up or shut up time now really for the offense. I, I, well, the whole team, but you know. If you said to me that the offense haven't done enough in the last two games to win the game, I wouldn't necessarily agree, but I don't think it's a ridiculous point. No, because they could sustain drives like teams are against us, I guess. Yeah, I mean, they didn't score a point for the last 40 minutes of the game on Sunday. That's obviously not good enough. Uh, Suboptimal. Um, yeah, I don't really want to spend too much time on these next couple of games, to be quite <laughs> honest, because they're the absolute train wrecks. But then, like we said, there's going to be a conversation had if they do lose the next two, because... I mean, questions are already beginning to be asked. I mean, Jack, our, our pal Jackson Bevins on his cigar thoughts with probably the best Twitter lead to a story. Uh, a game wrap you're probably going to read with how if like if Pete Carroll's defense is not good, basically what is the point of Pete Carroll being here? Really, that's basically the gist of it, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I feel like we've said that for quite a long time, and a lot of people said, "Oh, well, you know." I mean. Jackson himself, it's no no criticism at all, obviously, but he's been on the podcast twice this year and been pretty effusive in, in his praise of what he, he's expected from Carroll. So I think you were right, and when you said that if if we're losing Jackson on this, then yeah. blimey, this could be this could be a problem. Yeah, it's yeah, it's gonna, it's going to be really interesting to watch. Um, I think that's everything isn't it? on these last two this last yeah. weekend. We, oh, have, sorry, we, we have to pick. We have to pick it, don't we? Uh, the uh, 49ers, uh, 33-23. <laughs> I was about to go 33-26, San Francisco. Yeah, I just don't see... This, I just don't have any... This, this took me like war wounds. It's like going to Luton and watching your team lose 5-0 and then turn around and Alexander Mitrovic is waiting for you three days later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't happen. Um, yeah, yeah, I just don't see us winning. And then next week... Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm on the open Friday, so at work, so I don't think I'll be watching that one. Um, I think my, I tell you what, my, my bigger concern, yeah, sometimes you have a, a, a weaker season. Last time when they did this, you know, Carol cleaned house, Schottenheimer came in. He, you know, I said he, you know, he did his Godfather one version of just whacking everyone <laughs> in sight. The problem that I see this year is that there's not really the resources to go into a big rebuild next year from a team standpoint like there's so much there's a lot of money tied up and well not so much but picks wise ultimately you have to draft well at some point to really become contenders yeah and our drafting has been so bad and we haven't got our primary pick next year obviously it's kind yet, of hard yet, to see yet yet yet, yet, yet. well <laughs> it, it, it's sort of hard to see where the recovery definitely goes like I'm not sure this can be like a one summer fix, which yeah. is my big concern. Yeah, no, I agree. But also, it's possibly the worst possible season for this team to be one and four. Yeah. Because you've got everything that happened with Russell Wilson from what, February to, well, probably still, there's still questions around what, exactly what happened um, around the draft and everything. You've got Pete Carroll's 70 years old, Dwayne Brown is 36, Bobby Wagner is 33. Four. He's old enough that at some point his age will become a consideration. Yeah. 
KJ Wright isn't here anymore. Quandre Diggs wants more money and a new contract. He's out of contract. DK Metcalf is going to want 115 plus, no matter what he does this year. Chris Carson has been paid, so you're probably going to have to keep using him. And then you've got 18 million's worth of Jamal Adams already there, and everything else is in kind of a a state of flux. But it, it, yeah, so it's possibly the worst year of the Russell Wilson years to go potentially be one and four and staring down the barrel of a um, season ending in the first weekend of 2022. Yeah. Good. So, yeah, this is... Uh, nice I, 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 a question that came up on, on this show that I, I was uh, invited until on Sunday. So, Rob reckons that Pete Carroll will fall on his sword because he'll want to keep the legacy and he'll retire. Uh-huh. I think that is likely if it's a you know a disaster of a season, but there's part of me that thinks that after Godfather one was Godfather two. And that was an, that was an almighty whacking of everyone from Michael Corleone, including his own brother, AKA maybe John Schneider. Yeah. And I just wonder if Pete might think, well, I'm the boss here. I basically own the team. I've got as much power as I want and or need to have. I'm going to have one more go at this exactly as I want it. And that slightly concerns me. He's 70 years old. That is like, I think Jackson made this point of him building up goodwill, which he he clearly has. He's like, there's, there's a very short list of head coaches in the NFL who deal well with the nonsense that is being 2021 NFL head coach. It's probably him, Belichick, Tom Minn and Harbour. Everyone else just doesn't seem to be able to lead or deal. Vrabel's probably next in that line, but even now he has a few interesting uh, ideas and approaches. But but that doesn't really lead to another, as you say, whacking of everyone when you're 70 years old. And the, as Jackson said, the reason you're still here, the reason you're so vaunted and held in such high regard is the unit which is just a complete and utter um, car wreck mm-hmm. so it would but after the, the, I said to you on Monday or Tuesday that I really want to talk to someone who followed Pete in that last couple of years Reggie Bush investigation years at SC because it has the whole, it has the feeling of someone who's kind of like realise that, yeah, but he's he's almost too set in his ways that whilst also realising that, yeah, he probably should have kept drafting six foot three cornerbacks. Mm. But also, it's, we haven't heard from our owner since Paul Allen died. Yeah, which, <clears throat> you know. Which is fine because at the other end of the spectrum, you got Jerry Jones. Sure. But. Yeah. So yeah, this could be a fun 15-week run for this pod. Well, look, it's interesting. <laughs> it's nice to talk about different things, whether it's good or bad, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and look, I think a lot of fans have wanted some semblance of change because I think most of us think that we've not really been good enough no. to call ourselves Super Bowl contenders. So something's probably going to change one way or the other this yeah. off-season. And ultimately, that's quite fun. 
and quite interesting. Uh, and it could be, you know, for everyone that's, you know, for the last decades, the Ross has been led by three people, um, four pro before Paul Allen passed away, but three people, yeah. the GM, the head coach and the quarterback. And my odds would be, I wouldn't give you decent, particularly decent odds if you said, you know, said to me at least one of those won't be here next year. And that's interesting. Yeah, like I said, it's going to be fascinating if this team is one and four in a week's time. That's all. I, was, I just think it's like I said with the USC stuff in his final year there. I think if people remember the Holmgren final year here was very strange because that was a completely different, almost franchise really. Because obviously Tim Ruskell was not doing great. Aaron Curry was the last uh, first round draft pick and all that kind of things. But it's just it's, if they lose the next two games, this is going to be. A really interesting, not just t- 10 weeks, but then you've got eight, nine months of just en- legitimately anything. We could be week one, 2022, with new everything, pretty much. Yeah. Quarterback. I, I think the likeliest one to stay is Schneider. To stay? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wonder if that would take a Carol resignation for that to happen. Yeah, maybe. Although I guess if he's the only one to stay, then yeah, that would have to be the case. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, the, the general manager can't sack the head coach here. No, no. Which no, no. is the case in a number of franchises. Yeah, but Chicago, he, Chicago. If Nagy should be fired, but I think the reason he isn't going to be fired is because if he's fired, he'll go, well, he's coming with me. Yeah, whereas yeah, the head coach can fire the GM here, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Or certainly put enough pressure on to make it so that the GM has to walk. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably not the case anywhere else. No, because everywhere else, the head coach or the owner is everything anyway. Yeah. So the two examples are New England and Dallas. Belichick could do anything to that team as he did pretty much probably last year with Jetson and Brady and Jerry Jones will just do whatever the hell he likes. Yeah. 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 Fun. <laughs> it's interesting. It is. It interesting. is. It is. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm like, I, yeah, like you said, it's kind of, we've kind of been saying the same things for a couple of years. So I'll enjoy the first six weeks and then it turns kind of thing. And, um, and I, can't, I kind of apologize to the listeners as I, I feel like Stu and I are both constructing thoughts whilst we're speaking here because yep. it's almost an unprecedented conversation. Yeah. And it, we've not planned this and we didn't know what we were going to talk about. So trying to, talk about such important things on the hoof is not always the easiest thing so no, apologies especially for two doms like this exactly so if there's repetition or whatever then <laughs> i apologize but i hope you're kind of getting the idea of what we're saying because i yeah. do feel like and as you said it's a seminal fortnight for the franchise yeah definitely i mean if they lose the next two games and it's the seahawks one four with 35 points a game being given up by the defense and ben roethlisberger in week five yeah, six, but yeah. Yeah, six. Yeah. And then, uh, and then right, the, spin the, the, grand, the grand return of Michael Thomas in week seven, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, we, <laughs> uh, spin in the bin? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, well, I'll start on, put the Seattle Seahawks in the bin. Um, <laughs> uh, Matt Nagy in the bin, because he clearly has no intention of fulfilling what any promise Justin Fields has. Um, it's just, he should have been fired when he said Andy Dalton was a starter six weeks ago. And that Browns performance was... Not good from Fields, but I don't understand how he can watch Justin Fields for two, three years at, at college and think, oh, no, 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 no. It's almost like what Pete Carroll probably wanted to do to Riffle Wilson. 
But Wrist of Worlds was, I don't know, too good. Yeah. To stop it. But yeah, Matt Naked. And also ESPN, because they had one of the best, brilliant, funny voices, important voices in sports media and just didn't use her and then let Katie Nolan go this week. And I've now lost three hours of my podcast listening every week to, because of it as well. But yeah, uh, ESPN have just continued just to spit out people who they should build around. Yeah, that uh, I haven't heard much of a podcast, but I've obviously seen loads of clips and always seems so entertaining. And it does seem like a really bizarre decision to uh, get rid of someone that like you'd feel like she should be, her Amina Kimes should just lead the network yeah. for the next two decades. Yeah, it should be her, Mina Kimes, and Sarah Spain. Like, oh, and like everyone who was on Highly Questionable, so Pablo Torre and Bermani Jones, Izzy Gutierrez, and Dan Labarta himself. But instead, it, you've got Bermani. I don't know what Bermani's doing at ESPN at the minute anymore. No, HQ's finished. Pablo Torre, well, Pablo and Bermani Jones' show was cancelled uh, during COVID. Um, Dad has gone, and I'm kicking out. It's gone. It's me, the kind just holding down the fort of just kind of entertaining. I mean, it's en- like ES, yeah. It's the, the leader of sports has kind of lost its way a little bit. Mm. Yeah. Uh, anyone for you? Yeah. Um, one would be, I don't know if this is maybe a CBS issue, which is highly potential, but. How on earth has the delay of game not been called in that Baltimore Ravens game on Sunday? Like, it's two seconds that it's on zero. Now, again, maybe, I don't know if anyone's responded, you know, from the office, you know, Dino Blandino pretending to, you know, patronise us all within an inch of our lives and explain what's happened. But if that's the last, just go with me here on this one. And this probably, you're probably going to say this is rubbish. If that's the last play of the game and, at six, and it's turned a 66-yard field goal into a 71-yard field goal, which considering Justin Tucker clipped the crossbar and it went in, I sort of feel like the Lions should be given that game because there's no excuse for the error and they've the Ravens have only won because of that objective error. And it just seems so, especially on Dan Campbell, who, fair play to him, has like started off pretty well they're playing hard. Like they're they... playing hard. They're clearly playing for him and for all of his like funny little quips, like fair play. Like it's obviously stirred up something in the locker room. Yeah. And you just feel like coaches like that need wins like that. Like that's the kind of win that he could say, you know, back me. Mm. But they're 0-3 now, aren't they? And it just feels like, yeah, I mean, Jared Goff's quarterback, so what chance have you got? But at least if you say, look, I beat the Ravens, in a game like that, like believe in me and you know, five year plan. But it's the kind of thing that, you know, in two years time, they're like, well, his record is, you know, four and 32. And uh, I don't know. I, I just feel really sorry for him. It, it feels really harsh. Yeah. And on Detroit as well, they just kind of, this keep being kicked. Like they held a team who beat the chiefs pretty much. I mean, they, yeah. It's, I mean, it's still a 66 yard field goal. <laughs> It's yeah. It only just made it. Yeah, it's this. It's it is annoying, but I haven't seen anything come out about it, so I'm not too sure if anything has. Because I think it'd be everywhere. But also at the same point, I really seen much about the delay of game since like ten o'clock on Sunday. No, it's also true. Yeah. Anyone else? Uh, well, I'll I'll have this discussion 
and you and we can we can decide as a group whether it's been worthy you might have seen my uh, twitter conversation with joe fan yesterday who is so on board obviously with the mariners and it's no, great no, no, to no. see no, no, the nurse the nurse the nurse which is potentially been worthy but we can yeah. we can yeah, yeah. we can yeah. assess that another time yeah he said that he's going to be emotionally hedge betting against the mariners in every game this week okay and for me Emotional hedge betting is being worthy. But I know a lot of people do it. And, you know, I'm probably in the wrong here. But for me, we have to earn, we have to own the pain. And it's it's filthy money if you win yeah. it by hedging. So I, I put, put it to you as the, you, you can adjudicate, does Joe Fan deserve to go in the bin for this? I mean, I think it's a conglomeration of that and nerves, to be quite honest. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I can do that. Like, yeah, I had, I had a scorecast bet on the commentary game yesterday and it was over within 85 seconds because referees don't know how wide uh, penalty boxes are in the championship. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, can't, I, can't, I just don't get that. I don't, there's a, this, it, it feels like a new thing as well. What, the hedge betting? Yeah. I've never heard of that until like two days ago. I think it's Ian McIntosh, I think. In his yeah. Name. Who, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't get a lot of things about American fandom. I mean, no, uh, agreed. I saw something about the Mariners game and how it was bedlam at the end of the game. I was like, nah. nah it wasn't, I think, mate. I think it was more bedlam at um, a certain North Underground at, on, on Sunday. After, and that is famously not bedlam, but it, there was more action in the stands then than there was. Yeah. It was, yeah, I don't, no, it's it's been worthy, but I think it's more a conglomeration because nurse is just <laughs> what is that? <laughs> they're called the, they're already called the M's, right? They are, yeah, right? yeah, they are. But when Will on our group chat messages us, and it's it's all oh, the M's one, not the nurse. But yeah, maybe maybe we should get um, Vegas Joe back on the pod and he can explain himself. I'm I'm down anytime. Yeah, uh, but yeah. Uh, Nah, let's call it. No one wants to talk about the Seals no. anymore. Um, yeah, we're we're Nurse fans now, mate. Come on, we're Nurse fans. Uh, well, we're uh, no, we're Owls and uh, whoever the um, Blue Jays are playing. Yes, good point. Uh, all the usual means and methods are joining us. Um, I think there's been a technical issue uh, on the live stream for this. But if you want to join in next week, the Patreon.com forward slash the Pedestrian Podcast. As we say, it could be a Interesting couple of months being a Seahawks fan, so hopefully we can sustain the interest yeah. uh, with our inane chatter. And uh, yeah, uh, Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, all the usual social media stuff and nonsense. But yeah, uh, see you next week at the Hammersmith Apollo to watch Jimmy, the greatest fast bowler ever, shred documents, Adam. Absolutely, yeah. If anyone is, for any reason, going to the Tail Enders show next Tuesday... Give us a shout because uh, Stuart and I will be there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Go Hawks. Mm-hmm.